At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I saw this weekend, once again, the whole 15-minute city thing blew up on social media again. There's a right wing. I, I call him provocateurs. Uh, he, he's a pretty well-known guy. He's got all kinds of Twitter followers, and he he somehow came across. I don't know how he's in the states, but he somehow came across the Edmonton map about 15. So they, they call it 15-minute communities. If you look at that map and you have any experience of living in Edmonton, that map literally has been around as long as I can remember. If you take a look at an electoral map, like the different, we used to call them wards, and you know, that's what it is, right? And you talk about different neighborhoods and different community leagues and all this. That that's the map, but we've changed the name now to 15-minute cities. And and listen, maybe I'm wrong, and and if I am, you can all drive by. Or, or I guess walk by, because we won't be allowed to drive, right? You can walk by and look at me locked down in my house and, and call me a dummy, and, and, I'll, and I'll take it, okay? I, I just, this this is one of the conspiracy theories out there that I, it, when I see it, I just laugh. I, I don't, I, I know where it comes from, and like I say, you don't have to send me the YouTube links, I've seen them, I, I, I know the story, I know where it is, it's just, I'm not there with you, okay? I'm not gonna try and change your mind, so don't try and change my mind, but I, it's, it's really interesting to me how this has become such a thing. I mean, we've always had had neighborhoods, and as far as I can tell, we're talking about neighborhoods, but things don't always make sense, right? I get it. Steve LaFleur is a public policy analyst and a columnist in Toronto. I think he's kind of mystified about this too, but we're going to speak with him about 15 minutes. Steve, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time today. Thank you for having me. So are we on the same page here? Because to me, like I say, that electoral map or the map that came out this week, and it's been around forever. I mean, aren't we just talking about the 2024 name for the good old neighborhood that we've always had? Isn't it the same thing? You know, I think, unfortunately, a lot of this kind of got uh, morphed in with a lot of the thinking around COVID-19 and, you know, around lockdowns and so forth. And a lot of people kind of looked and said, you know, hey, First, they tried to lock us down because of COVID. Now they're trying to lock us down because of climate change. And, you know, I understand how, you know, after a big traumatic event like COVID, um, people are on guard about these things. But, you know, this is just kind of traditional community planning. Um, This is nothing new. We've been planning communities since the dawn of time. Um, You know, it sounds vaguely communist when you talk about things like, you know, planning roads and planning parks and so forth. But the reality is that, any kind of community has some sort of collective goods that need to be allocated and there are trade-offs involved you know not everybody's going to be happy if we have a four-lane highway versus a two-lane street with bike lanes or wider sidewalks you know like we need to figure these things out as a community and just because the government is making the decision doesn't mean that it's some sort of conspiracy. But you make an important point there Steve because I mean what we're talking about the government doing and and you know this 15-minute city concept that has become, you know, in, in a big talking point in, in recent years. Sure, it's a different name for something like you say that we've been doing basically since we started cities. They have to have some planning. Urban planning is nothing new. Yeah, and it's all about setting objectives, right? I mean, when you think about it, for instance, when you build a highway, it's not just for the sake of building a highway. It's because you have some sort of objective in mind. You want to increase mobility, for instance. Now, similarly, if you're trying to think about, like, 
Should we allow more commercial activity in a, in a neighborhood, for instance? The goal was to make it so that it's easier for people to get the goods and services they need. So the 15 minute thing really is a concept. It's not like a rule, it's yeah. a concept that it would be great if you didn't have to go further than 15 minutes. And you know, I, I find that hard to disagree with. Yeah, I think that's sort of been the aim ever since we started planning communities. Um, why? Why did this turn into what it's become? And, and I think the majority of people look at it and go, oh, okay, yeah, it's a neighborhood. I know how that works. But there is an element out there that has twisted this into, as you say, control and lockdowns. I mean, where, where did that piece come in and how did it take off the way it has? I think part of it is because a lot of people have this idea that there's a certain type of community that the quote-unquote free market would provide if, if we didn't have government planning. The idea being, you know, most of the housing we built between, you know, the 1970s and the 1990s was single detached housing, you know, often in cul-de-sacs that were pretty far removed from commercial amenities. Uh, but we started to rethink that. And I think a lot of people are looking at that and saying, well, they're trying to force us to live differently. But really, most of what it is, frankly, is trying to undo prohibitions that existed. You know, like, for instance... Why is it that we only were building neighborhoods where you couldn't walk to a coffee shop because it was illegal to operate a coffee shop or a corner store and so forth? So we're rethinking a lot of those things, which means that some of the outcomes will be different because, you know, things will be legal that didn't used to be legal. But it's seen as kind of a top-down imposition, and I think that's really backwards. Um. It's dull, right? I mean, when we talk about this kind of planning, like it's, it's always gone on and it will continue to go on. How do we do it given the environment that we're living in? Now, I know here in, we've talked to counselors here in Edmonton and, you know, and, they, and they've tried to do their best, you know, publicly to say nobody's talking about building, you know, a, a district where you're not allowed to go in and out. I mean, how do you sort of go about the rather mundane task of planning urban environments with all of this happening? How, I mean, can you do both? I think a lot of it is really communicating the trade-offs to people. You know, often, for instance, you know, bike lanes are often yeah. uh, a lightning yeah. rod, you know, because it's like, well, by providing a bike lane to these people, it means you're taking away from me. But I think we need to remind people, you know, that everybody needs to share the community. Uh, not everybody can afford to live in a, have a car, for instance, uh, particularly when thinking about housing prices nowadays. So people need to get around. And often those people, for instance, are people delivering your food or, you know, going to work at a low-wage job, and everybody needs to get to work. If we want people to be able to bootstrap and, you know, take care of themselves and provide for the rest of us, we need to ensure that people have options. And I think that framing it as choice is really key because that's what it is. It's about making sure that we don't all have one single choice that many people can't afford. Everybody needs to be able to get around. Everybody needs to be able to live. Is there... Is there any reason to say, um, wait a minute, take a look at what's happening here? Uh, you, you're not allowed to leave your, your district or your 15-minute city. I mean, is there, oftentimes with these things, there is a kernel of truth to them, right? I mean, are there elements that sort of we need to be watching for? Well, so I think one thing that some people might point to, for instance, is you think about Calgary. You know, I lived in Calgary for many years, I lived in Edmonton for many years. Calgary is extremely expensive to park downtown. And some people yeah. will, will point out, you know, Essentially, that's curtailing my freedom. But the reality is it's expensive to park downtown because it's constrained. Like, we subsidize and mandate parking everywhere. Um, so, you know, the fact that it's still expensive given that 
tells you that there's a scarcity issue. It's not, it's, it, it's like arguing about concert tickets. You know, people get mad about Taylor Swift tickets being $1,900 or whatever. Sometimes there's just scarcity and there's nothing you could do about it. And it looks like a conspiracy. It looks like the government is trying to force this decision on me. When in reality, sometimes there are just resource constraints. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and and like you said, it's just, it's the reality of the way that we've always done things. This is this is how it works and that's how it's going to work. We'll continue with this because we do have to plan this environment. I mean, that's, that's just the reality of living in a city. Yeah. And sometimes the best way to get around, get people around is on public transportation, for instance. It sounds, you know, it sounds kind of dystopian to people who aren't used to, you know, living in a city, using public transportation, et cetera. But, you know, putting 70 people on a, on one vehicle sometimes just is what you need to do to get people around. Yeah, exactly. Makes sense. Steve, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you being here with us. Thank you for having me. You bet. That's Steve LaFleur, who is a public policy analyst and a columnist based in Toronto. And yeah, I mean, like I say, you'll have, you'll have every right in the world if 10 years from now, um, the, the worst theory uh, of what a 15-minute city is going to look like comes to pass. And I, I will come on here and I will take my lumps happily. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but um, it's interesting to me. 